Hey, hey, you guys, it is your girl A, and I have my partner and everything on deck with me. Say hello to Jay. What's up, world? It's Jay, once again, ready to kick off another episode of the A and J podcast. Yes, we are. We're so excited to be doing so because tonight we're going to talk about something that I keep seeing circulate around the internet, you know, the beautiful internet. And, um, I don't know, so it might be an interesting topic to dive into. So, tonight we're going to be discussing the five love languages. Alright, let's, let's get ready to dig into this. I, I did my research. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to bone up so we can I can be prepared to speak eloquently tonight. Now, if you are not familiar with the love languages, that is absolutely fine. I'm going to fill you guys in. Using the wiki page because it pretty much summarizes just about everything there is to know about the five love languages. Now, the five love languages was a book um, entitled The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. Y'all, this book was written back in 1992 by an author named Gary Chapman. So I think it's interesting that this whole five love languages thing is recirculating and it's 2019. But I guess, you know, the saying goes, there is nothing new under the sun. I didn't realize the book was written in 1992. Um, honestly, I didn't know a lot about this topic when we decided to, to uh, sit, talk about it. I thought it was interesting, just the the idea of it alone when A proposed it, so I was game for it. But I didn't know, like, this was a, a thing on the web right now, like... Obviously, I'm not on the, looking at the same type of content as Avis, <laughs> but I'm on uh, Instagram. Yeah, you follow YouTube a lot of chefs stuff. and rap pages, and there goes the diversity well, of your page. No, that's Beats. Beats, too. <laughs> yes, it is. is Y'all, I promise, go look at his follow list. You'll see that I am 100% telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But um, getting into what anyway. the five love languages are, according to this author, Gary Chapman, The five ways to express and experience love, or what he calls the love languages, are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, aka devotion, and physical touch. Now, he's summarizing this in a pretty succinct way, and basically saying there's five ways that people um, tend to uh, express their love and want to have love expressed to them but something that sticks out to me is that he suggests that in order to discover someone else's love language it's exhaustive because it requires you to have to really observe and watch how a person expresses love to others analyze them yada 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 and that a person usually has one primary um, language of love and a secondary love language now what I'm going to say, let's start with this. So from everything I've been seeing circulating like on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, um, everybody's getting really deep into this love language thing. And in my <laughs> personal opinion, I think they're making it deeper than what it needs to be. And I also don't agree with his assessment that you have to observe and analyze because you could just ask somebody how they want to to I don't know how they want to express love what's the best way to you know communicate my love to you because I think that cuts through a lot of tape but maybe I'm wrong I think I think it's um I think his 
his idea is actually pretty on point because you do, you can't learn somebody's love language unless you know this person intimately. Like I could tell you one thing, but you my actions are going to speak louder than my words. So but, if that's the case, then why is everybody? in a rush to identify their love language now because if it's not as simple as just being able to tell someone i best receive acts of love through giving or receiving but maybe people don't under people uh, people don't have a tendency to always be as honest with themselves as you are with yourself and in expressing who you are and i think that's why it's important that we observe people objectively so that we can determine what what's what is their accurate love language like i took a test i took a test earlier um while you were getting prepared for the podcast and it was the um love language test what what do you think if you had to guess out of the five, which one do you think I would fall into? I think yours is acts of service. And mm. I would definitely say um, physical touch. Now, based off of based off of the um, questionnaire I filled out, it said acts of touch. Like, you look at it. I mean, now you guessed that, but I bet you were thinking that was more of like a secondary... No, in fact, I don't even, that's not true. Um, I don't think yours is a primary or a secondary. I think yours are kind of on par with one another. That's why I said both. Um, Because if I had to choose a secondary off that list, I would say that words of affirmation are probably, would be your secondary to me. Um, And that's because you, you don't ask for validation, but I know you need it from time to time. And I say that because your primary love language to me is partly that act of giving or, you know, acts of devotion um, from how you lead your household to the way you want to take care of me, the way you want to take care of the kids, all that stuff. I think that puts tremendous pressure on you as a man. Um, And I think you like to know that it's being received well by me. And I think that's where that words of affirmation would come into play. And that's my opinion. Now, what I was getting ready to say was, I do believe observation is integral in any relationship. But to me, that goes without saying. And that's not necessarily because you're trying to discover someone's love language. That's just a part of dating and getting to know you. Well, what I was going to say is why I like that explanation of of learning because I think you learn somebody's love language best by being in a relationship with them and relationships you you know somebody better and better over time that over time you're observing them over time you're interacting with them and you're you're finding out these triggers and what works for them and what doesn't work for them and I think observation is a key aspect of that you know, I think with time we observe and interact with one another and we we learn each other's love language. Um, specifically so what do you think my love language is? I'm, I'm going to take a little quiz. You go ahead. You tell me. Y'all, I'm, I'm going to take a quiz. and um, But I want Jay to guess what my love language is. And we'll come back to my results once I take the quiz. Um, if I had to guess... 
and then no, you know, I'm not sure which one I would say would be primary or secondary because I, I think both of these apply to you equally. I would probably say quality time and physical touch um, because I know those are two things that in our interaction that you harp on the most. Um, <clears throat> You enjoy. I harp on. Huh? I mean, that was just the word that came to mind. I, I think harp is probably a little more strong than what I really mean, but I think those are the things that you focus on the most, um, that you get the most benefit from. Because I know you're not a materialistic person. I know words, words would probably be like your your secondary. Because I know you like to see words. I know you like to hear words. I know you're big about writing and everything, but I think quality time and touch will probably be your, the, a blend of those two will probably be your primary. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the I don't think the gifts or the um, acts of service or anything, I don't, I think those are probably the lowest on your list. This my that's just off the top of my head, and I've never I haven't thought about that since I've been researching this topic at all. Um, I really didn't even think about how this applied to me until I did that survey. Um, but answering the questions, and the one thing I didn't like about that survey was that one I couldn't correct my answers because in a in a way I think that was good. But the only problem I have with it, I hit one answer wrong. I hit one answer by accident. So I didn't like the fact that I couldn't correct it. Um, and the other one, I went with my first mind when I touched it. But after I thought about it, I wanted to change the answer. So there was like two or three answers that I think were maybe a little skewed. But other than that, I mean, I think I answered everything honestly. Um... But I don't think you can, I don't think you, a love language is something you can just ask somebody. Like You, you don't? I, I don't think you should. I don't think it's something you can because I think for for us as people, like we, I think it's difficult to answer that objectively. Um, especially like if you're somebody who's just beginning a relationship with somebody, you, you guys are like dating early on and you're trying to figure the vibe out with each other, like I don't think you're going to get an honest answer and I think over time it may even evolve like because you could just you could be in a space depending on what your previous relationship was like you know what I mean what type of emotional baggage you're carrying with you at that time and as our relationship develops whether it you know positively or negatively that love language can evolve I think it's not something that necessarily is Static for people all the time, especially when you're dating. I think maybe us as a married couple, we might be a little more static at this point. But in the dating process, I think things shape you. You know, your circumstances shape you, just like every other aspect in life. But I think your circumstances really shape you and what you want and what you need and the person that you're dating at that time. So I got my results, y'all. We're going to... How long was this question there? <laughs> it was a little bit Mine long. was like 30 questions. Um, it took me a minute to answer that, John. 
Oh my god, did I just refresh the page by accident? I definitely ah. did. But <laughs> see, I screenshotted mine. Oh, oh, I'm gonna redo it. All right, so I can tell you that it said my primary acts of uh, love because they scored all of them for me. But I think the primary one I'm gonna redo it again was um, acts of devotion and um, touch. Those were my um, primary love languages acts of devotion yes um but here's what i'm what i'm gonna say i think there were parts of that the way they scored it that were accurate and i think there were parts that were not i think it was how the quiz was worded and i'm gonna say because it was like choose between two options basically because i went to the actual oh, love, it was only two options. yeah i went to the actual um love language website to do the quiz yeah mine um, just came i mean mine just came up in the course of me so doing research. here's what i'm gonna say i i was not always a person who knew how to communicate my thoughts and my feelings because I grew up being really timid about those types of things, um, being taught through different circumstances that um, my opinion didn't matter. Um, and I carried that with me for a long time. So it wasn't until I was much older and the older I got and the more experience I had and the more dissatisfied I found myself in different relationships that I learned, I, you need to say what it is you need. And I think that's why for me, while I believe observation is important um, in that getting to know you process, once you're in an established relationship, it shouldn't be no guesswork anymore. Like, people should be able to just say what it is they need and what they need. Because if you are relying on guesswork or even observation, it's too easy to misread people. It's too easy to misinterpret things. Sometimes you need to just be straight up and say, this is what I need. Like, for me... I'm into romance. I have to tell you, like, it's, you're slacking. Like, I need more romance. Because if I wait on you, like, to guess that from me, like, you're going to be looking for signs that I'm upset. Because that's, that's really the sign you're going to get, is that I'm upset or I'm bothered, I'm frustrated. Well, I think we got to take you out of the equation. Because oh, great. You're, <laughs> no, I think you're more like an, an exception that makes the rule because you are very forthright about things. And there's so many people out there, um, especially like talking about the men, like and hearing their experiences. Like, there's a lot of women that just want you to know stuff. They want you to observe stuff. They want you to pick up on hints and notes. They don't want to come right out and express it. Um, and I don't think get me wrong. I want that. I honestly do like I get frustrated sometimes because there's things that at this point I feel like you should just know by knowing me and observing me but I also understand that that's an unrealistic expectation because unfortunately like I, for the reasons I mentioned earlier sometimes your partner is not as observant as they believe they are sometimes your partners can misinterpret so I find that that effective communication is a lot better is by speaking up it's like the person it's like the woman who doesn't orgasm during sex and you know doesn't enjoy the sex but she doesn't say anything and she keeps engaging in the sex with her mate that is displeasing to her and makes her unhappy and then results in her not wanting to have sex as much as you know maybe her mate wants to and really honestly it could be rectified if she opened up her mouth and said hey like when you do this it's not effective for me i 
I need you to touch me in a different way. I need you to kiss me in a different way. I need to be penetrated in a different way. Like these conversations could happen and could effectively make things better. But because people, for some reason, think that they shouldn't communicate these things, it goes unaddressed. And then it creates a problem in the marriage that doesn't need to be there. So that whole observation thing, eh, I don't really trust that you can rely on that so much. And the next thing you know, you got a Lorena Bobbitt and John Bobbitt situation on your hands. Listen. You running on the side of the highway <laughs> to pick your meat up. Because her response was, he always <laughs> orgasms before me and never cares if I do. I was like, when I was younger, I perceived this case to be something totally different. <laughs> watching, watching that, uh, starting that documentary, that docuseries, I was like, this is not where I thought this was going. Now, the, the claims of rape and stuff came later, but the first thing out her mouth in that interview was, he doesn't please me. All I'm saying, folks, communication is key. <laughs> key. <laughs> a, little, a little better pipe game and dude might have never got his meat sliced. Say it again. Oh, wait. My results came in the email. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Please don't spam me, love language, folks. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> nine. Okay, so actually my primary was quality time. I got a score of nine out of that. Seven was acts of service, seven physical touch, six words of affirmation, and one for receiving gifts. So y'all just need to know that A is one of the most non, like I have never been the buy me diamonds, buy me a Birkins bag. No, so that's what, like I've never been that type of person. Where so did the touch come into play in that? It didn't? It, it was number, it scored the same as acts of service. They both received a score of seven. So they were tied for They were second. tied for second. So, so I was on point. I so said. quality time was primary. It says in the vernacular of quality time, nothing says I love you like full undivided attention. Being there for this type of person is critical, but really being there with the TV off, forking knife put down, and all chairs and tasks on standby. Make your significant others feel truly special and loved. Distractions postponed dates or the failure to listen can be especially hurtful it also means quality conversation and quality activity so that is my primary act or love language and then the secondary was the acts of service and physical touch um can vacuuming the floor is really be an, an expression of love absolutely anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on acts of service person will speak volumes the words he or she must most wants to hear is let me do that for you Laziness, broken commitments, and making more work for them tell speakers of this language that their feelings don't matter. Um, the love language of physical touch isn't all about the bedroom. A person whose primary language is physical touch is not surprisingly very touchy. Hugs, pats on the back, holding hands, and thoughtful touches on the arm, shoulder, or face. They can all be ways to show excitement, concern, care, and love. Physical presence and accessibility are crucial. While neglect or abuse can be unforgivable and destructive, physical touch fosters a sense of security and belonging in any relationship. And then words of affirmations is, I love you, basically. Saying I appreciate you, things like that. Um, and then receiving gifts, which was my lowest scored one. Um, it just is it's providing a gift or gesture that shows you care. So like missing an anniversary would be something really like distraughtful to me. 
or something that. like that. But I, but I think that's distraughtful for a lot of women. I mean, who's who's ever going to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just their anniversary. I don't think that. I, I don't think that. Um, that female exists. And I could think of some men that will probably be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll I have to do this. definitely know some men like that. <laughs> it's all good. <clears throat> um, I'm just watch the game. So while I think my quiz was pretty accurate, because I would say that those are definitely my my primary love languages and my secondary. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, I did say those things. So here, here. Ching, ching. Two snaps. Give me them little poetry snaps. Golf claps, all of that right now. I am on, I was on point. You trash for that. Yeah, I'm that, sorry. That's, that's hatred. <laughs> that is nothing but hatred. Uh, no, I mean, I think you did a good job. But I also think, let me say this, that I've spent a lot of time in the course of this relationship telling you those things like that these things mean more to me than these things like but i think i've also i've come to know those just as well regardless of the fact that i mean how many times have you told me i don't listen <laughs> all right so <laughs> exactly. not, we can't just chalk this all up to your verbals all right like i mean i think observation plays a key part in that as well and never and all of that even though they say observation, I I don't look at observation as just observation. I look at it being more to it, like the communication, the filling out. Like just because you say one thing, your actions may dictate something else, and you or you might only you might only glamorize it. You know what I mean? You may only give me a piece of the puzzle. You might idolize the way you interpret things. And it could really, I could see you deal with a situation and be like, well, you really, you think you handle it that way, but this is how you really come at it. Mm. Like, this is the full picture. Mm. And I think that. So basically, you're trying to say I'm crazy? No, or... this is, we're, we're not internalizing oh, this. Oh, I know. This is, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're speaking broadly. I don't know why, why you had to double up on that. That was a. All right, here we go. Keep the sauce to yourself. Okay. All right. I'll keep the sauce to myself. <laughs> and hit we're back. No worries. Okay. But no, what I'm saying is that I think when. I think you hear something different when you when you hear observation. When I hear observation, I'm thinking about the whole package of getting to know somebody. You know what I mean? I think observation is a key component of it, but I think there's more to it than just standing off to the side and watching. Like You can't pick that all up in a, a night or something like that. I think it takes a significant amount of time. But in that time, you start to get pieces of the puzzle and put it together and you know over time you come to understand this person that's why i think people need time before they get married like there needs to be a significant courting process before you just dive right into marrying somebody and i'm not saying that it needs to go on for years at a time but i think you need you probably need at least a year to get to know somebody who you haven't been have you ha haven't been around for a significant amount of time somebody who was just you know someone you met in passing one day and y'all hit it off and y'all began a relationship i think you need 
about a year's worth of time to really get to know them. And then that amount of time, you get to learn their love language and if you like it or not. And then you can say, you know, let's do this. Let's. So let me ask, commit. what do you think it is that has made this book or this conversation start occurring again in social media, Facebook, Twitter? You know, people, it's coming into people's conversations now. What do you think that's about? Because again, this book came out in what, 92, 93? What is it that you think? fueled this do you think it's the dating game right now 2019 do you think people's dissatisfaction with the way dating is is what's prompted this conversation do you think it's more concerned for women than it is for men i think this is always a topic in some form or fashion and this person maybe came up with the outline for it but I think this conversation has been going on since to be since men and women been getting together, you know, since whatever that next couple that came after Adam and Eve, you know, <laughs> Adam Adam and that guy was talking about it and Eve and that woman was talking about it like, Oh yeah, you know, Adam he's always throwing his uh, leaves on top of the on the floor and oh, I'm tripping Lord. over them, you know. You know, I'd like to believe that in my head the relationship with Adam and Eve was very much strained after uh, that the fruit eating after aspect the, of things. After the children, <laughs> like, after, that, you know, after them birth pangs. I think I think after that exit out of the, you know, they couldn't stroll back into the garden anymore. It was like, oh, I hate you. But I'm stuck with you. Like, I feel like that's kind of where their relationship went. Uh, but I don't know. You know, who's the sad wasn't there? <laughs> be like, uh, like Chris Rock and that girl arguing in New Jack City in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> the crack like, is. I was the first woman on earth. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be the prom queen. <laughs> now you the prom fiend. <laughs> right, right. Look at, uh, you, look at you now. <laughs> But no, all jokes aside, you know, I see a lot of, you know, I, I see a lot of conversation happen a lot about marriage, about dating. And interestingly enough, I, I often find a lot of non-married people have the most to say about marriage. It's an amazing thing to see or their opinion on what marriage is because of what they've observed. Um, you know what I, what I think, and I'm sorry if I don't hold on to that thought because I want you to finish it. But I think a lot of people have, whatever their perception of marriage is prior to engaging in it, I think that perception is mostly shaped off of their home life or lack thereof. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people who have, the people who look forward to getting married and stuff like that, it's because they've, they've seen successful marriages you know, the people who grow up thinking, oh, I'm never going to get married, whether they do or don't, is because they haven't seen a lot of positive marriages. They don't look at it. They, they don't get that, that positive aspect of it to, to view. So it's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you, know, my you know, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of what I'm seeing right now is a generation of more women saying that they don't need or want to be married. And the reasons vary for anything from I'm a feminist, I don't want to engage in a patriarchal societal standard of what love is, I shouldn't be defined by licensing and all of that. You've got 
some people who feel like a piece of paper can't define your love. Um, you got some people who I think are just so jaded by their dating circumstances that they don't even think marriage is an option. So they convince themselves that marriage is not what they want. Um, and I mean, the list is long. Some people want f what they believe to be freedom. Some people want the freedom and the ability to move how they want to move without having to be held to a standard. Um, you know, some people want to operate by honor code. Like, as long as, you know, we know what it is, what's, what's understood doesn't need to be said. I mean, there's so many different views on marriage right now. Like I said, a lot of it I see comes from people who are not married. And I think to me, honestly, this is more a generational thing. I think this has a lot to do with the, you know, moral decay of the world, period. Just how we treat people, that lack of love, that lack of respect. Um, and I think these things infiltrate people's thoughts and they don't even realize it because things are seen as normal that shouldn't be. Um, it's almost like there's this standard of acceptance that, you know, men are going to cheat. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Or people in marriages aren't happy. That's just what it is, you know, so on and so forth. And I honestly think, like you said, it has a lot to do with how you were raised and what you may have seen. The ratio. A lot of people go based on statistics. Well, rate, divorce rates are this and divorce rates are that. But it has been... My experience is this, when I talk to people who have all these views on marriage, the one theme of continuity that I often find is that people who are allegedly against marriage or don't think that it's important is because they can't see themselves being committed to somebody forever. But if you can't see yourself being committed to somebody for forever, that's because you haven't met the one. Yeah. That's because you haven't met the person who brings that out of you. I think a lot of times in this generation, people are getting together out of, you know, boredom, out of, Tender. you know, out of Tinder, <laughs> out of DMs, out of lust, um, out of, you know, a lot of different reasons, but the right ones. And until those right reasons occur for you with the right person, I think it's easy to have that opinion that, you know, marriage is not what it's going to be. Um, and I think the reason this conversation about love languages comes up so much because this book was written for the perspective of married people. This was not about dating. This was not yeah. about long-term partners. This was marriage. And I think the reason this whole conversation is resurfacing as it is is because no matter what this generation says i think innately they still want marriage they still want that forever whether they're willing to say it or not well i think that has a lot to do with just our you know my idea and my my belief in how we were designed i think it's a natural desire that regardless to how we want to shake it or we want to make it different. Like, I think a lot of people are, you know, all that. I don't want to conform to the standards and I don't want this label. I think a lot of that is just being difficult. Oh, let me say something about labels. I just want to say difficult. this about labels. I know this is going to be on the sidebar. But it be so many people who be like, I don't want labels. But y'all the most labeling, non-labeling folk I have ever seen. I mean, there will be people like, I'm non-this, I'm non-binary, fluid, such and such. 
These are still labels. I just want to point that out. Like, pick a side. Either you're going to go with the labels or you're not. So when somebody labels you, don't get mad because you already labeling yourself. Like, I think that whole I don't do labels thing is a bunch of crock. I think people want to hide behind that and say they don't do labels because they want to dictate their labeling. Um, say aside, that then. Aside from the fact that people are just outright being difficult. Like, I, I don't care what your label is. Like, at the end of the day, the person you are is what's going to dictate whether or not I like you or I want to be around you, let alone date you or marry you. We need to get over all this labels and stuff, though. I'm comfortable with the labels. Like, I think some of them are necessary. Like, you don't open up the medicine cabinet to a bunch of blank jars. You know what I'm saying? And if you did, you would go nuts. You don't go shopping and don't see labels. You know what I mean? Like, labels good are good to me. They help me identify and distinguish stuff and stay away from things that I don't want and use things appropriately. So why are we going to be mad about it? Um, that's just my perspective of it, though. But let, let's get back to... Yes, my bad. That was my minor day. tangent. My bad, y'all. Yeah, um, where, where do we... Where, I can't remember what... You were saying that we you think this at. is more about just being difficult. Yeah. Like this whole, I don't want labels. I want to be able to love how I, I want to love. I, I do, and um, I think we've we've addressed that aspect of things enough in the, the last couple of minutes. But I, that is my honest feeling. Like, people are just... They want, to, they want to challenge something, you know, and I think it, it gives them the idea that, oh, I'm, I'm going to stand out because I'm not going to conform to the status quo, you know, or whatever. More power to you. I, I don't care. I'm cool with I'm cool with the labels. I don't want to I don't just, I just don't like the discussion about it. I don't like everybody coming up with these little one-off. Um, descriptions and stuff like that like let it be what it is like be comfortable if y'all dating y'all dating if y'all not dating y'all not if y'all just you know fbs you know let it be known like you we're at this point people are adults like if that's the life that they want to live even though i i don't conform to that standard even though i think that you we all deserve more if that's what you you want I can't sit here and tell you how to live your life. I think people think there's a safety measure and not having a label. Like, if I don't call this something, then it, it will be less emotionally um, involved. But the, the reality is, whether you have the label or not, if you're still engaging in activity that is, you know, prone to induce emotional reactions, it just... You, what does not having a label do? You know what I mean? And so when these conversations about love languages and things come up, I'm like, how y'all having whole discussions about love languages and you just friends with benefits with people? Like, is there is there even a purpose to have a love language with your friends with benefits? What, what's the benefit in that? Like, if y'all are really supposed to just be engaging in sexual activity with each other. And I think people well, be so confused the people th- be so confused i think we know though like it's very difficult to do that like that's almost like a magic trick to just engage i would say in. this i don't think it's well i don't think it's impossible somebody tends to always someone get always feelings. tends to get feelings I will say this, I, you know, I will say in the past, I've definitely been in that circumstance when I was younger, I was a lot more callous 
and um you know i definitely went through a stage of exploration so it was easy to kind of like not have an emotional attachment and i often found that most times it was the men who had the attachment versus myself but i say this i think people saying that like i like i said before is a protection for them like they think yeah. you know oh it won't get complicated if i engage in this behavior but while i did not always concede that sex was a divine thing created by god because I was on my own kick. The older I've gotten, the more experience I've had going through things, being married and just maturing now and looking back at past, you know, circumstances, I understand fully why sex is not was not something meant to just be thrown around, you know, uh, frivolously amongst people, even if that's the standard that society has set, even if that's what everybody, you know, the crowd is going with. I disagree. And I think that's why there's so many emotionally inept people incapable of communicating and understanding the difference between jealousy and love and lust and passion. And because sex was never intended to be this game to be played mm -hmm. amongst people. And I think sometimes it takes people a good while to admit it to themselves. And I think people know that innately somewhere within themselves, but for the sake of not complying with the Bible or not complying with a religion or just wanting to feel like they are free, they will pretend that that's not the case and will continue to engage in damaging behaviors. And in, in, in all honesty, to me, love languages and all that stuff doesn't even matter <laughs> unless you really intend to be with this person. Um, unless you really intend to invest in this person, unless this is the person, because you could be saying, oh, my love language is this and my love language is that. And you, when I see people talking about it, like you're talking about this in regards to multiple niggas you dating, Oops, excuse me, or multiple women you're dating. Like, but I think it's, um, I think it's still important if you're somebody who's engaging in any type of relationship, whether it's short term, long term, whatever the case is, like you still want to be treated favorably. You still want to treat the person you're with the way they want to be treated. So it's important to, to be, like you said, it's important to be able to express that. It's important to be able to make sure that's understood because that's how, regardless of if it's a casual or a committed relationship, that's how you establish your boundaries and that's how you have a successful version of either type um so i do i don't agree that love languages aren't important i think it's actually important all the time but well, i think you may maybe we should change the wording for these these non-committal casual relationships maybe it shouldn't be a love language because is it really love? If you not expressed in the middle, yeah, like what are we expressing like, here? You can say my my selfish desires are these things because it's how I want to be treated, whether we're in love or not. Say that. But you know the interesting <laughs> thing <laughs> I said I said what I said. Don't at me. Um one of the things I did find interesting though is on that page there is um on the Love Languages site now 
there is actually love language between like friends and love languages between children um so you know the love language depending on what type of love you're talking about is something that can be applied to all relationship types um not just romantic ones but you know what type of friends are you you know what i mean what do you gain from a friendship with a person how do you want that love and the friendship to be expressed even with children i definitely as a parent understand love language with children um because having three children i see the um inherent differences in their personalities the different needs that they all have how they want to be spoken to how they want to be talked to how they want to be touched um nurtured differently i have one kid who is all about hugs and, and and wants to be you know snuggled up have another kid who eh, they like touch you know they want to hug but they don't want deep you know embraceive hugs like it's kind of like a hey let's pat on the back so you know i care and then i got another child who's kind of somewhere in between like they want their love and affection when they want it and how they want to give it and if it's not on their terms they don't want to be bothered so i definitely see how love language applies and you know even in situations outside of romantic areas yeah and i think it i just think maybe again we we might want to come up with another label for it because I do think, and this is just my opinion, take it or leave it, but I do think using words like love can really skew the perception of things. Like, to me, love is reserved for committed relationships, like, and long-term friendships, you know, um, familial relationships, like, casual relationships, the word love, I don't like it being used in there. It it's too misleading. It's too mis too too open to misinterpretation. Like we should leave that out. So let's come up with another <laughs> phrase for that. We'll um we'll have to, to think on that one. We maybe we can suggest some start a new wave. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think people are gonna be ready for our new wave. Uh <laughs> It's like you said, sometimes I'm a little bit mm, more they forthright. Ground. They <laughs> might ground under say. that wave. Giving them a tidal wave. <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but no, I just, moving forward, you know, after having researched love languages and all that, it's not, I don't know, it's not as deep, I think, as what the internet was making it out to be. Is it ever? It, no, Nothing it never is. is. Like, because to me, these are just basics. Like, these are just things that you should know. And it didn't necessarily need a title for it. Like, I think it's cool, I guess, that this guy came up with a way to label love languages. But to me, it's just it's, common sense stuff. It's a, it's a way to quantify things, though. Like, again... <laughs> More or less, it's another label. Like he's labeling these different types of of ways people love, and if and I guess we can probably be grateful to him for, to some extent for that, because if not, people wouldn't have any guidelines or direction and stuff like that in terms of this. I mean, if you care about that type of stuff, I mean, there, there's always those free love hippie vibe type people that just want to go with the flow and I say more power to him I'm probably more in that bucket than anything I kind of I like to figure things out as they come um, 
whatever. I think it's interesting that this topic, I'm still stuck on the fact that this topic, this book originated in 1992. (laughs) This conversation is going on like 20 plus years later about this and it's like taking the internet by storm. I think that's, that's interesting. I can't think of a lot of things that fall in that that bucket that, I mean, besides Magic Johnson or something like that, what are people talking about from 92? <laughs> I mean, but if you ever think about it, things definitely, look at all these remakes of movies they're doing and, you know, even fashion scrunchies are making a comeback. Like, I think things just get recycled. Well, yeah, those, um, like, pop culture is, is circular, so, I mean, it... You know, the fashion... Just but I, I guess broken. love advice is, is pop culture and always has been. Um, it's oh, there's, it's always been a topic. The, you know, since the age of self-help books and things coming to, you know, become a mainstream thing, yeah, I think... Probably since, like, the 70s when people started Dr. being Spock and all that, like and expressive about their feelings and who they are and all of that you know, the more liberal aspects. Because you think about, prior to that, things were a lot more under the rug, behind closed doors. Like, you don't talk about our feelings. Like, you know, things were just, this is amongst us. This is private conversation. We're not going to broadcast that. And now with social media and the internet, everything is on Front Street. Like nobody, yeah. nobody's really keeping anything, and even behind closed doors. And even if you desire to, somebody else may expose you. Like, I was just listening to that um, this this podcast, and it's like a documentary podcast about those Donald Sterling tapes. And like, I thought it was really interesting. Like that whole thing, like twists and turns. If you listen to that whole story from beginning to end, but. I thought it was crazy, like, the tapes that got him in trouble, like, they were, they were able to be floated out there because he was aware he was being taped, like, So she could allegedly remind him of things that he was saying in conversation. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, I say alleged because I certainly do not believe that was her motive. Um, I, you know, I actually... After you were listening to that podcast the other day, I was so curious to see what happened with the case between the wife and her, and the wife oh, won her I, case. Oh, I know. Um, they talk about that. Yeah, I was end. like, it's a five part. It's a five oh, okay. Part well, I only heard that first um, portion uh, of it. But at the end, it was like, but the wife is the most interesting character in that whole thing because you never know where she really stands in all of it. Like, she kind of straddles the fence and goes back and forth, you know. And she has this per, the, this perception that she's this quiet, you know, behind-the-scenes woman. But there's stories of them, like, because, um, you know, they made all their money in real estate. Like, but what they would do is buy properties where people had been living for a long time properties that were affordable and they would get the previous tenants out and then drive up the the rent like california made rent control laws because of i can't remember if it said because of them or because of people like them like they would drive these people out of apartments and homes that they had lived in for you know 
their whole lives. The women, women are living in there. They're widowers, you know, and they have raised their children in this home. And now they hike the rent up. People can't afford to live there no more. And they basically push them out so they can rent to people who can actually afford to be there. Like, and they, they talk about how him and his wife was like inspecting the apartments like themselves and lying to the tenants saying that they were from the health inspection committee. And there's one guy taped him and the wife's interaction and she was like well i was scared he had a dog and he was really intimidating so i just said yes to whatever he asked me never mind the fact that she's lying saying she's a health inspector um <laughs> looking at the crib like it's all that job was i'm powerful. just convinced rich people live completely utterly different lives than we do they live um, by a different moral they, right what morals is that bad question and that actually makes me think about something that i want to talk about briefly as we're wrapping up um so everybody's making this big deal about jay-z right now and this partnership he has with nfl everything's such a big deal about this partnership that we have no details to as far as i know um as of yet and there's there's this division where People are like, oh, he, he, you know, he's a traitor to black people. This is a money deal for him. Blah, 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 blah. And you got people who think, you know, he's got some secret plan to, you know, restore the NFL from the inside. Because that's kind of what he was hinting at. Like, you got to, you can't beat him, join him, make changes from within. Whatever the case may be. I think what people fail to recognize is if you are in the same tax bracket as these folks, you will probably never understand the motives behind what they do. When you got money like that, you're fueled differently. You have to be. And if people think that this NFL deal is like the first controversial thing he's ever done to make his billions, you're outside of your mind. You don't reach that level of success. I don't care how much you like Beyonce. I don't care how much you love Jay-Z. I don't care how much you love Oprah. I don't care how much you love, you know... Bob Johnson. Right. These people, your Michael Jordans, whatever, Man, they're not Johnson. making money of this nature doing things that we approve of. I promise you. Well, you, not you don't get to see all of the, the boardroom meetings. You don't get to see all of the contracts, all of that stuff. We see what we see. You we know see what I what mean? They allow us, allow us, us to see. see. So, I'm, And I'm not saying that Every deal that they make is a bad deal or is driven by money. But, hey, most of these deals are driven by money. They're billionaires. There's a reason they have money. So, people wanting to behave in a shock manner that Jay-Z would make a decision that lined his pockets. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, <laughs> I will say, I don't think the decision is primarily fueled by money. Um, just from what I know about Jay-Z and the way he's moving lately. Now, I, w I do think it's funny that we don't have any details about the right. situation and all the details that have come forth have been either wrong or, what or I'm misinterpreted. Saying is, it's not, I'm not saying that 
Jay-Z never has altruistic intents because obviously him and Beyonce, whether they're doing for it for the tax write-offs or not, they quietly do things a lot for the black community. So for a lot of people complaining about what they don't do, just because they're not putting it on display, I actually appreciate that more because sometimes I feel like the people who do it for show, you're doing it for show. Whether he did it for money or not, I, we can't necessarily say that his that was his only motive, but I would also like to express again, can we really be surprised he's a billionaire? He's going to make moves and make him money. Well, I will say that the one thing that doesn't surprise me is that Jay-Z would do a deal and not care about the perception of it. Right. Because I think as a businessman, and believe it or not, you know, Dame Dash kind of said this in so many words on the No Jumper podcast, and he, he'll probably be, a, he was very much more curt than I'm willing to be right now. But if you look at Jay-Z's history, he's made a lot of shrewd business moves just from what we know in the music game, like the people he's disassociated himself with. The people who he's, the acts he signed that he cut off, um, people whose success or, you know, business dealings that he's rumored to have blocked, um, his relationship with, look at his relationship with Foxy Brown, with Jazzo, with Sauce Money, with Dame Dash, even with Biggs, like, a lot of these people... Jay-Z, it's hard to tell where his loyalties lie when it isn't something It's not hard to see where his loyalties lie. Like, like, and and it, it also reminds you that he is truly a hustler at heart. Like, people who are about that dollar, at the end of the day, they're really about the dollar. Like, now his, his inner circle has always been his inner circle. They probably always will be his inner circle. But if you're not in that Man, he don't care if he got to slit your throat to get his business done. And that's done. the point. Like, y'all are acting real surprised and real shocked. And But that's what I was saying. People who have... People who are rich like that, who are wealthy like that, they don't live the same lives we live. They don't operate by the same oracle. And when I say that, I say that because a lot of people think they want to be rich. A lot of people think... They, they want this perception of what they see success be based on television or what Instagram shows you. But I want people to think about these moments when they think that. Like, what are you prepared to sacrifice morally to reach that level of success everybody swears up and down that they want? You know what I mean? I think people are also hurt by, by the negative aspect of this because the NFL has been so polarizing as of late um and i think we look at jay-z and beyonce as like the first barack and michelle you know what i mean like there are black king and queen no they are like, black king and queen not mine i mean like, <laughs> i'm not speaking about us necessarily but i'm just speaking about the black community in general like we hold beyonce and jay-z to a higher we put them on a higher pedestal than we would the president. Like, there are, you know, Prince Harry and his 
wife, you know, Meghan Markel or whatever the heck it is. I don't really know Prince Harry from his brother. Um, you know what I mean? But there Racist. are there are black king and queen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they so people look at them at times and forget that they can do wrong. Forget that they're human beings. Like that because they're idolized. They're beyond you know the the levels they're not held to the same standard as you and I so I think that's why this has been bad because even in defeat like his little his loss in that in the battle with Nas you know there's people that still debate whether or not Jay-Z lost that battle but Jay-Z hand went back and forth with Nas some people thought Nas killed him on Ethan and he never missed a beat you know what I mean? Like, he still is, he's like the, I remember talking about it at that time and saying how Jay-Z was like the coolest guy in school. Like, he just, things just always seemed to break for him. Like, it was no, you could never see him and he, he looked like he was having a bad day. Like, even his, his bad days are better than some people's good days. You know what I mean? He's, all, he's been on top for who knows how long. And even when he wasn't on top, he was revered for his skill. And now he's looked upon favorably because of his wealth and his power and what he does for people and how much influence he has. Like, he, he can he can get in spaces that the average black man can't. And I just hope that he does, he continues to use his power for the best, of, for, for good, you know. Help more people like Meek Mill, you know what I mean? Make some positive change in the NFL because I'm telling you, if he don't, this could be the beginning of his downfall. You know what I mean? Cause people I don't are, think he's going to miss a beat when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, here's what I feel. I feel like there's always powers at play that we don't see, that we don't know about, and that if they truly want Jay-Z to fall, if they feel like Jay-Z has too much power and excuse me for sounding like I have a conspiracy theorist attitude, but he'll fall. Um, like, you know, whoever his handlers are, whoever Beyonce's handlers are, like, if they really want them to fall, you think that they can't take down a black man in America oh, you're outside no, of course not. Look at like, Bill Cosby. Right. So, you know, at this point, from what we know, it's just a, it's just a deal with no details. So I really just think people need to you know, there's far more pressing matters like Popeye's chicken and Chick-fil-A <laughs> um, to be worried about in the black community. <laughs> and of course, the Amazon is on fire in case anybody else didn't know that. Um, you know, because you're not allowed to be interested in multiple things. You have to only care about one per the internet. So those are the most pressing matters to be worried about, folks. But um, thank you guys so much for joining uh, me and Jay while we Chit chatted, shot the breeze about love languages. I hope you guys learned something from love languages. And I hope you guys can identify your love language and may it bring you peace and happiness and blessings to your marriages as well. Or situationships or whatever it is you're doing with no labels. Yeah. And even if you didn't learn something, I hope you just enjoyed the the conversation tonight. I mean, at the end of the day, that's my goal. There we go. Um, just enjoy the conversation. Be entertained by what we have to say. And you don't even have to agree. Just be entertained, y'all. Yeah. And tune in next time. We'll be back here next week 
with our next topic, and we we already know what we're going to talk about. We're but do not you know what we're going to talk about? No, you don't. We're not mm. going to tell you. But you think uh, you know, but you have, have no, no idea. idea. Where do we steal that from? That's from MTV. MTV. There we go. There we go. We're old. We're old. Half of y'all probably don't even know what MTV is anymore. But at any rate, you guys, we're wrapping it up. Have a wonderful night. And, of course, we'll be back next week. Make sure you're following us at the A um, underscore J podcast on Instagram. You can, of course, catch me at APY blog. And you can get J at Big Talk underscore J. Give us a follow. Show some love. And make sure you tune in. And tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Mm, deuces.